Hello, this is Hardin Coleman, Faculty Director for the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. You're listening to the very first season of Caring, Character, and Community, the Center's podcast. In this season, we will focus on learning from leaders about how they integrate the ethic of caring, they focus on their own and others' character development, and a commitment to serving the needs of the community in order to guide and inform their leadership decisions in times of crisis. This is part one of our inaugural season, which will focus on bringing you the perspectives of four PK through 12 leaders. On October 5th, 2021 at 7.30, you will have the opportunity to participate in a webinar with these leaders in which you can ask them clarifying questions about their approach to this important work, which will certainly be a rich conversation. You can also feel free to email me your questions to me in advance at harden.bu.edu or post in the comments sections on our Substack website, ccsr.substack.com. In this episode, Brenda Casella shares with us how centering on the needs of children with the ethic of care helps organize the efforts of adults in the community to help children flourish, especially in times of crisis. Brenda, welcome. I want to let you know how much it means to me and the Center for Character and Social Responsibility that you're sharing your time with us to talk about the role of caring, character, and commitment as a leader during times of crisis. These past few years have been filled with myriad challenges, including a pandemic, major political changes, conflicts that the world, responding to climate change, and increasing emphasis on the importance of getting equitable access to a high-quality learning experience, even as the definitions of equity and high-quality learning are changing. You have been a leader of a PK-12 institution during this time, and we are very interested in learning how caring, character, and commitment to students, faculty, and students have influenced your leadership decisions. To get going, would you please introduce yourself, your position, and describe the educational institution of which you are a leader? Well, thank you, Dr. Coleman, for having me uh, on today and to share some of my experience. Um, I'm Dr. Brenda Caselius. I am the superintendent of Boston Public Schools, and I lead an organization uh, that is about 52,000 children. Um, most who come from diverse backgrounds, about 85% uh, of our students are high need, uh, students of color, uh, 22% of the students are special education, and we have about 50% of our students who speak a home language other than English. Um, this public school system is the oldest school system in the nation and has some of the old, oldest school facilities in the nation, um, uh, and also um, has about 35 universities uh, surrounding it. So an incredible opportunity uh, that we have here in Boston to leverage the capacity of the city uh, in the interest of children. And would you share with us your journey into educational leadership? Sure, I grew up um, to a single mother who had my sister at 16 and had me at uh, 21, and I lived in the projects uh, most of my childhood um, or in public housing. Uh, went to seven different elementary schools, starting with Head Start, so I am a Head Start baby, and also the bookmobile used to come into my neighborhood, and so I had opportunities at the local park and rec center uh, and by wonderful teachers, my kindergarten teacher, um, my preschool teachers, the bookmobile, uh, my camp counselors when I would go to camp. 
And these folks really uh, buoyed me up as a young child. And so I really got an interest early on in, in education and working with children and um, really working with underprivileged children. I worked at the Crisis Nursery for Catholic Charities um, as starting out my career and worked with alternative school students um, who were adjudicated and also then went into being um, a paraprofessional as I was getting my teacher credential um, and then became a teacher. I became a school leader uh, in middle school and high school and then uh, was asked to go to Memphis with Dr. Carol Johnson, who was a former Boston uh, superintendent, a wonderful mentor, um, and then went back to Minnesota um, as high school superintendent of Minneapolis Public Schools, and then also became superintendent of East Metro Integration District, which had a wonderful uh, vision of integrating schools. And then uh, very shortly after uh, achieving uh, the superintendency, I was called by the governor of Minnesota, uh, the new governor of Minnesota, Mark Dayton, to ask me to be the state commissioner of education, which I did for eight years. And when he decided not to run again, I decided that I wanted to go back into urban education, become a, a large urban school superintendent. Um, and I started my search and that brought me here to Boston. So what do you appreciate your, about your position as a superintendent and or your institution or, or BPS? And then what are some of the unique challenges you face in your role? Well, what drew me to Boston um, was the rich diversity uh, and particularly working with Black students um, and Latinx students who uh, traditionally have been underserved. And so I was seeking um, that population of students to do my work. And, you know, God has always um, directed my path. I'm a pretty spiritual person that way. And, um, and so I go where the doors of opportunity open for poor children and children in most in need. And so that's uh, what brought me here. And I think that um, this particular role has been quite challenging because of the pandemic, as you know. Um, and so that has caused a little bit of a, a um, snag in the plans that I had set, um, but hopefully we'll turn the corner uh, and we'll be able to get back to the strategic direction that we have um, to make this one of the highest performing systems in, Boston, in uh, all of the country. Great, thank you. So how, how does care and being caring play into your decision making? And also, where is that challenge? Where is it challenged to, uh, to allow care and being caring to be part of your decision making? Well, you know, creating a caring and welcoming environment um, for our students and our parents and our, and our key community members and partners and our educators is essential to building trust. And um, building trust um, is demanding on um, a set of values that you have. Um, and it, and when you can, when you can create a caring uh, environment and a trusting environment, um, then you are able to build deeper relationships. And it's the relationships that you build that allow you then to have learning happen. And all learning is uh, a social construct, I believe. I'm uh, very familiar with Dr. Comer's work. Um, he said no significant learning happens outside a significant relationship. And if it's not a caring and co uh, warm environment um, and one built on trust, then I'm not certain how you can get much learning out of that. 
Great, thank, thank you, thank you. So when you think about character, what does that mean to you? And how do you see it playing a role in your decision-making as a school leader? So character is your internal, uh, internal most values and principles that you have. Um, I think that you always know when somebody's principled because they're consistent. Um, and so when you have a deep character, um, that is what you go to all the time as sort of your rock and your pillar and your north star to your decision making. And so um, Governor Mark Dayton taught me that, you know, a budget is always a reflection of your values, you know. And so it is that's really a sentiment about um, having deep conviction and deep um, belief systems based on a core set of values. And those typically make up your character as a person. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. you see on the inside ought to be what people see on the outside consistently in your actions and in your deeds yeah. and in your words. Yeah, that, and, and, and we know how hard that is to do consistently. Um, so in PK-12 education, there are three major constituents, the students, their parents, and their teachers. They each have different needs, and those needs can sometimes exist in tension with one another. In your work, how do you manage and balance your commitments to each group? Well, I have a saying on my door, as you know, because you've been to my office that says measure everything in child benefit. And so um, it's easier for me because I center myself on the child. And I have always centered myself on the child, um, sometimes to the disease of um, the adults around me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, you take your caring and your character and you center yourself on children, uh, it's a mighty um, force of um, consistency then in terms of your your uh, actions that you take. And so um, I've always been centered on children. And then I also believe that children don't come uh, at, you know as just little one little human beings. They come in uh, systems. And so you know it's the systems that have supported children. It's the adults who create the conditions in which children succeed. And so to be child focused, you also have to focus on the family. And families are supported by communities. Um, And so you need um, full communities supporting families and families supporting children and children being supported within the learning environment. And that's how I keep my uh, center of focus and how I balance the different interests, um, you know, uh, around how we support our children. You know, Brenda, thank you for that. Because I, I, as you share that, it kind of, kind of came full opened up for me and I just want to make sure I heard this right. So in your world, you you center your work around the needs of the children. And then see the teachers and the and the parents and the other community members as your collaborators in getting those needs met. And that is that is that a, a simple a, a short way to kind of hear your organization organizing principles? Exactly. But it, and it also means that we can't, as we center on the child, we have to realize that it's the systems that we build around the child of support mm-hmm. because it's the adults who create the systems in which children yeah. succeed. So yeah. as you focus on the child, recognizing that the adults also have to be fed and have to be mm-hmm. enlisted mm-hmm. into the support of children and invested in the support of children collectively. Great. Thanks. That's a great point. Thanks for that clarification. So over the past several years, particularly with regard to the variety of crises educators have faced, 
Can you give us an example of how putting caring, character, and or commitment to others first as a leader has had a positive impact on your institution? Well, you know, we were all thrust into um, this pandemic the past 19 months, and um, you had to do it with empathy. I was so grateful to you, Dr. Coleman, who very early said, you know, um, in some of your mentoring uh, gentle ways to say, make sure that you lead with empathy. And that is around caring um, and understanding and listening and trying to gather what it is that the people need. And this was a time really where, as we focused on children, we also had to focus on families because families had so much of the responsibility. Um, So we found new ways to partner with our families. We increased interpretation services so that we no longer had barriers for their involvement in their children's education and translation, uh, making sure that they got the information in a timely way. We added family liaisons um, to our schools to support families that were in crisis to ensure they had uh, health and safety information Um, because we were really, over the past 19 months, um, dealing with basics, um, you know, Maslow on the bottom foundational level, um, which was just survival. Um, and it typically a school superintendent might deal with that with one child or one family or multiple families within a school, whereas we were dealing with that with adults in the school, with children in the school, with families. Mm-hmm at the school level, at the city level, at the state level, at the national level, at the international level, every single person in this global crisis was affected by this pandemic in some way, shape, or, um, and we've had to respond to that. Um, And so I think that, you know, that has, that's proven to be very challenging, but it also has proven to provide a lot of more uh, ingenuity around um, how we collectively support children um, in the continuity of their learning um, and care uh, for their health and safety and well-being. It sounds to me, Brenda, like you suggest that that I'm hearing that the more you center caring around the needs of the children in our schools and their families and the community, the more that's centered, the more when you have to make a quick decision and adapt to this crisis, the more you're guided by that caring, the more creative and responsive you're able to be and not worry so much about um, long-term impacts, understanding that the immediate care is what's gonna drive our system forward. Is that a fair summary of what you're saying? It is absolutely, you know, and in, there's a great article that I pass around. It's about, you know, the love um, uh, teaching math, but you also have to teach love, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it really is a love principle. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of things that go with um, love, you know, and how you exude love and show love to one another um, Mm -hmm. and work through really difficult conversations. And even within just the pandemic, we had George Floyd, who uh, was murdered and the care and the the love that was needed um, at that time uh, for our uh, African-American community, the Asian hate crimes that were happening and the care and love that we needed um, for our Asian community in terms of our response was critical. Now with what's happening at, in Afghanistan and in Haiti, you know, uh, there's just so much going on around the world that to neglect to care, um, I think you would be a mistake in, um, in the fact that I don't think we could have uh, 
really full relationship with families and with children, and therefore that would impact the learning. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Can you give me an example of a time when uh, centering caring and commitment to the needs of children and others did not work out the way you thought it would? Well, you know, there's been times when um, I've had to reconstitute a school. Um, And that could be perceived as not caring about the community that was there. Mm -hmm. I think those are the hardest times when you have to close a school or reconstitute a school because the community um, feels as though you're breaking them apart. And those are the hardest uh, decisions I think uh, superintendents have to to make. Um, But they're made because either the school has uh, multiple system failures around children um, Mm -hmm. or you know, that it's just not viable uh, or there's a building emergency or something like that that occurs. Um, But that's always the last straw to close a school uh, in a community. But those are those are the hardest, hardest ones to to work through. So you have to be even more intentional and deliberate in um, expressing and showing that that, you know, the reasons why you're doing it, that it is a, a you know, steeped in the love of the community or, or the betterment of children. Um, and so, you know, that's, it's just really important that you take the time to do that well, or, yeah. or it, yeah. or it really gets in the way of trust and, and it goes against what you say about caring. And then, then it doesn't square with the consistency that I said that you need around your personal character. Yeah, no. And you must have great empathy with uh, President Biden. Because mm-hmm. as, as, as business leaders of this conversation that so often you turn to make the hard decisions, people will say, well, if you give me this much more money, if you give me this, if I get that, then I'll turn it around. But then when you have a history, a 20 year history of not of lack of success, that hard executive decision of how do you care for the system by making a very tough choice. So this is that that's very demanding in your work and, and any executive's work. And all leaders, you know, that's why it's important to have such a strong sense of character, right? Mm-hmm. And and be very principled. You know, we know where uh, Joe Biden lands on his principles. We weren't mm-hmm. so certain with the previous president. And mm-hmm. so when people are wishy-washy, um, you know, you don't know what their their principles are. Like you can disagree with their principles, right? Yeah. But you yeah. need to know what they are. And that way, then you can understand and trust their decisions, even if they're decisions mm-hmm. that you don't want to make. Yeah. Um, so as a leader, it's important to be consistent and to be principled so that mm-hmm. those who are around you know where you're going to take a tough stand. And they're not surprised by the tough stand because they know that you're principled and the, the reason why you're making the decision that you're making. And sometimes leaders are called to make unpopular decisions. You know, during the pandemic, um, you know, we're seeing this all across the nation right now on these mask debates or the debates around vaccines, um, you know, but it's my job as a superintendent to keep the children safe and to look at the science. And because Mm -hmm. people know that I'm going to look at the science and they know that I'm going to make tough decisions um, in the in even the um, face of adversity, um, then they can trust they may not like it but at least they know that um, what my principles and my character is. Yeah. Yeah. 
So before we let you go, as you think about how you have integrated caring, character, and commitment into your leadership style while managing crises over the years, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, well, you know, when I was younger, I thought I knew everything. (laughs) Now that I'm 54, I realize I have still so much more to learn. Um, But I think the advice that I would give myself uh, very uh, early on was just to continue to grow um, in in your um, courage and your willingness to stand on your principles um, and to not be swayed. Um, and just to continue to uh, look for ways to get uh, small wins for students and yeah. see that as progress um, mm-hmm. and continue to, to move forward in the face of adversity. Great, great. Well, Brenda, again, thank you so much for sharing time with us. And uh, we really appreciate you, both your leadership and your model of caring and character and commitment. It's so valuable to both the kids and the adults in your care. So I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Dr. Coleman, and thanks for all that you do. Thank you for listening to Caring, Character, and Community, a podcast at the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. The development of this podcast is made possible with the generous support from BU's Willow College of Education and Human Development and a grant from the Kern Family Foundation. The music you're hearing is Bluesy Vibes by Doug, Doug Maxwell, produced by Media Right Productions. I'm Hardin Coleman. Thank you so much for listening.